series off today. We're looking at spiritual discipline. And I'm going to preach a little bit differently today. I'm going to share from my experience. I could just talk theoretically or theologically about this, but I think you'll appreciate it far more if you, in a sense, hear that I know what I'm talking about, that God does love us, but he'll sometimes discipline us. God, there's that saying, isn't he? He loves us just as we are, but doesn't want us to stay that way. So I don't want to really preach on what I've done, but how I've learnt to operate, how I'm attempting as best I can to operate in the, in the power of the Lord rather than my own strength. And then I'll, I'll make some observations, but that's what I really want to convey today. In a sense, I don't make light of the Lord's discipline. I actually, um, in, in a sense, having been through that myself, I, I just don't want to make the same mistake twice, you know what I mean? I sort of, lesson learnt, Lord. You know, there's a, there's a saying that a, a fool or the definition of an insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, but knowing it harms you. So knowing something harms you, but just continuing to do it. The definition of wisdom is learning from your mistakes. But I love this one, the definition of true wisdom is learning from other people's mistakes. So I pray this morning as I talk that, that there's a sense of conviction that, that you don't have to go through, in a sense, the, the, the fire that I went to. In, in a sense, you'll see true wisdom, you'll, you'll embrace true wisdom this morning. So I'm just going to pray. Steve's pray, but I, I just want to pray for us. Lord God, I, I do thank you. It's, it's, it's interesting Steve mentioned that lady. Would you, do you regret anything, Lord? I, I regret nothing, um, I just am so honoured that you would choose me to speak your word to, to pastor. It's, it's a beautiful thing, Lord. And I know, Lord, that it's just so much better when we're completely surrendered and submitted to you, Lord God. And you, you know, we've sung it this morning, have your way in us, Lord. I pray, have your way. As, as, as Steve said, Lord, we, we're not about condemning people here. But we, Lord, we do ask that if your Holy Spirit needs to convict people, he'll do so this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So, one of my most challenging times in Christian ministry happened in the first year. I was at Newtown Mission. Woofhead. Actually, I don't think I've changed that much. Really? <laughs> so, um, but it was, it was the first year and look, like many of us here, I'm sure many people have done university degrees or college degrees or anything like that. When you've put in that hard work and you've got a head full of knowledge, you just want to get out there. You just want to get out there and put it all to practice. And that's what I thought it was like. I, I thought it was going to be, you know, this, I had such a heart for urban ministry. And there I was at Newtown Mission. It was also going to be one of the most refining times. I thought I was already going okay. But as, as that first year panned out, I was in for a big surprise. You know, everything seemed to implode at that church. It's always going to be busy in a place like the inner city with ministry. There's a, there's a mountain of ministry to do. But what actually happened, there were three pastors there. It was myself, the senior pastor, and another pastor. Well, the other two pastors, all of a sudden, there was an enormous clash. It just it had been, been bottling up for a while and it just exploded. And all of a sudden, it was just it was horrible to watch these beautiful, godly people individually. Just they could not reconcile their differences. They couldn't 
sort of, a, you know, the, each one was sort of blaming the other and they could not reconcile them. So it ended up, they both eventually left the mission, but they were put on leave from that time. It was about 12 months into my time at Newtown. And I was left as the sole pastor. So a three-person job was being done by me. I thought, oh, that's okay, I'm up to it. You know what I mean? And it seemed, you can imagine, you can imagine if there were people, if there were some very high-profile people in this church that left badly, you would just be sort of, you would, you'd just be grieving and the church was grieving, the church was confused and yet I was the one, I was in a sense it. And I thought I was going okay, all around me people seemed to be going bad and I remember just leaving a meeting once going, oh, it's sore. And so I said, you should get that checked out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, a little while later I went to the doctors and I had shingles. And I sort of thought, I thought things were bad before, but I, I just, I thought I was going okay, but this thing stopped me. And I just want to say also what was happening, out of nowhere we had this attack, this, this spiritual attack on the church was tangible. We had gangs of youth coming into the church and just you know, beating our people up and, and um, writing blasphemous graffiti on our church. And we also, Melissa and I, we were living, we, we had, had the twins by then, and we were living at Tempe and we had just some guy from the community just, he just it seemed like the, the devil sent him to harass us. It was bad enough just to, you know, at, at Newtown, but all of a sudden our nights, our, our, our family life was invaded. And it just seemed this, you know, this guy just wouldn't leave us alone, would he? He just, he just wanted to, just, he just wanted, wanted, wanted. Nothing we did was good enough and nothing was enough. And it was a stressful time. And, and with this shingles, you know, shingles herpes zoster it's called, and what it actually is, it's, that zoster means snake girdle. And what happens, anyone had shingles at all? It's horrible, isn't it? And what it does, if you're, if you're stressed in any way, it's, it's like you feel like you've been crushed, the life crushed out of you. And so I'm trying to just, you know, soldier on. And I realised, you know, especially when this guy came again, he just, he just came into our house and terrorised us again. And the, the, the family, we just packed up our car and went to Melissa's mum's place. And I actually had no way of doing anything for poor Melissa with brand new babies. I couldn't do anything but lie in bed. Any time I tried to do anything, this rotten... (coughs) So I just had to go to bed. And it ended up being a blessing in disguise, being stuck in bed. All I had was this book I'd got from Kurong, I'm not sure when, but it was a big, thick book called Paul, the Apostle of the Heart Set Free by F.F. Bruce. And all I could do was read this book. And it ended up being something that saved my life, my marriage, ministry, all of that. I just read and it was as if God was speaking to me. God was saying, look at Paul. Paul knew what it was to have hardship. Paul knew what it was to be challenged. And yet he could say in the book of Philippians, 4.13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Written from a prison cell, no less. Going through his hardest time, he could say, through God, I can do all things. How I needed to hear things like that, to read through Paul's life. And as I did that, as as I was reminded of that, I thought, you know, I've got off track a bit in the busyness. You know, it says in John 14, 5, 
I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, I'm here to tell you, you can do an awful lot apart from the Lord. But not including him is a lot different than doing a lot of things including him. And God had been left out. I really was so convicted of that. God had been left out in my busyness. And so eventually when I went back, I thought, you know, this, is gonna, this has got to change. And between those of us that were left, we realised we could not keep going. We could not keep giving to others out of an empty tank. And this huge outreach ministry to the community, trying to help others, we just closed it down for a while. And we spent time seeking the Lord. We would go there just, I remember initially, it was like this desperation, like, oh, you know, it's, it's hopeless. We, we just, there's no hope here. And it ended up being something that we looked forward to. We would almost like run into the house of God and just want to be praying and worshipping. In fact, the guy that used to do the worship for us is now uh, leading worship for Dayspring. So, you know, it's, it's just wonderful to see him still and think back at this time, I saw him a couple of weeks ago and just went, wow, you know, God's good, we stopped. And out of that time of prayer and worship, the heavens opened up. It was beautiful, you know, I really felt the Lord clearly, clearly, because when I'd stopped, I was able to sort of just be open for God to speak to me. And I remember him clearly saying to me, you don't have because you don't ask. And I looked, we looked around the mission then and it was a mess. Everything was run down and so we started asking. And then all of a sudden thousands of dollars came flooding. We were able to get brand new carpet. You know, it, it doesn't sound like much but it, was just, it made the difference. It, was, it, it just made that place look a place you wanted to come to. New carpet, new walls, we, new, new uh, painting. We ended up getting brand new industrial stoves, industrial fridge and freezer, a huge call room. It was wonderful. It was just such a, a great provision. And I remember before that time of prayer, we'd struggled to put any food on the table. So quite often, we, if they were lucky, they'd get Vegemite sandwich. If they were really lucky... Devon and tomato sauce sandwiches. And in fact, it was so scarce in those times that I, you know, I, remember, I remember vividly just watching us butter the bread and then, and then having to re-scrape the bread to try and make the butter spread. The heavens opened up and to this day, it's astounding to see what is provided for lunch there. It's changed from those, those days of little to just God pouring out blessing. One of the greatest blessings was that God raised up a man of God who is a man after God's own heart, who's still down there seeking God. You know, it's just so beautiful to see what the Lord did when I was able to sort of say, wow, God, have your way. The senior pastor returned to work for a short time before he left for good. I remember meeting up with him and I just said, Phil, I've got, I've got a confession to make, mate. I've been, instead of what I should be doing. I've been operating out of my knowledge. I need to confess this to you. I've been operating out of my knowledge of God rather than my relationship with God. And I expected him to chastise me. Well, Andy, that's not good enough. I'll never forget what he said. Andy, you're probably admitting what 99% of people, of pastors won't admit. 
but I made a pledge from, from that day forward that, that I would not ever do that again, that everything I would do to the best of my ability, but I, I understood the difference it made by actually doing that. And so from that day forward, recognising that difference, I've tried to, tried to model that, working in God's strength because it makes so much difference. And one, one final note on that story, as I moved forward, I realised that all around me, God had placed these men and women, many of them had been in ministry, and I worked out as I did a bit of math that I had hundreds of years of ministry experience in, in my sort of small circle. I thought it's amazing. There's people that I have around me that have been doing this for years. And so I made a decision to, to actually ask one of them to be my mentor, a man called John Mallison, who went to be with the Lord in 2012. He was a, a giant of a man. He stood five foot tall, but he was absolutely on fire. He was at the time considered something of a, a spiritual guru in, in, in small groups, home groups and mentoring. And I asked him, would you be my mentor? He was a gift from God. But he was a gift from a God who could see where I was and see where I needed to be. And it was not going to be an easy time with John. And I remember meeting up with John and he said to me, he could see that I was on a slippery slope. As much as I'd sort of you know, um, surrendered to God, he could see that if I continued going the way I was, at best I'd be out of ministry. At worst, I'd be out of ministry, I'd lose my wife and my family and that would be it. And so he basically said, Andy, I'll help you, but you've got to do what I say. And of course, I said at the time, yes, yes, I'll do it. And then I realised, you know, he was a tough character. And I would go to Kurong several times, I'd meet there and he would just be going, anyone been to Kurong at West Ride, the, all the coffee tables around? And he, he'd just, I'm there going, mate, there's other people around. And he's actually, and, and Melissa would come sometimes and he'd actually be, you know, I'd, I'd be saying stuff and he'd sort of always, you know, default to Melissa. You know, I'd, oh, you know, it's, you know, I'd be trying to get some sort of sympathy from him. But all the time, he'd be ripping me apart. And of course, you know, it, it was very um, humbling to be able not to respond back. I'd, I'd, I'd sort of, instead of you know, wanting to naturally want to defend myself and, and even sort of have a go at him, I'd, I would bite my tongue and sometimes I'd just be driving home from Kurong just going, why is he so hard on me? <laughs> but you know, I persevered. And it's obvious that I'm standing here today that God did something through that man, you know, just by being open enough to be challenged the way I was acting. I had things refined, things taken out of my life that allow me to operate. And when I think back on that time, I do thank God. for the. I do, I thank God that those lessons learned in that time of discipline allow me to be able to stand here today. It was, it was a time of refinement, it was a time of learning, it was a time of growth. And it's allowed me to keep, not just remain in ministry, but remain passionate in ministry. What a difference it is, isn't it? Not just doing it because I need to do it, but wanting to do it and wanting to see God's power flow. It doesn't mean, it never means that everything's a better rose. It just means that nothing's going to overwhelm me. 
You know, there's nothing that I sort of think, wow, this is going to take me, this is going to hit me for six. But can I say, can I just say that that time, I can just condense something of like 18 months into a couple of minutes, into a few minutes. But at the time, it was a miserable time for us. It was a time where there were many tears. It was a time where I wasn't spending the whole time going, God's got this. I'm okay, God's got this. There were times, there were things said, things I said I wish I could unsay. But it was a God above it all that was in control. And so I don't want to just make, it, make a light of the fact that you know, what I'm saying is just a, is a nice, easy journey. It was a difficult time to submit to the Lord's discipline. But I do believe, I do believe that God uses the circumstances or brings circumstances into our life to refine us because he wants to see, he sees a better version of us. I started the series by saying it's a lot like resistance training, which is you've got a weight there, which you've got to work against and initially that weight will crush you but as you keep going, you'll find that that resistance actually makes you stronger. I think that's a beautiful way to look at this spiritual discipline. At first, it seems overwhelming, but as you persevere with God's help, you actually find yourself overcoming and even growing in strength. And I think such a statement fits so well with that passage we read from Hebrews 12. That word discipline is there a lot, isn't it? God disciplines, God disciplines. They discipline, God disciplines, no discipline. Discipline, discipline, discipline. It means correct. To correct, to chastise, to chasten. God chastises us, chastises us. He chastens us, he corrects us. It's not just any general affliction in our life. It's been allowed by the Lord to refine us. Think of Revelation 3.19 when Jesus says to that church in Laodicea, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. That's the meaning here. In his love, he has to correct us. It's not a general random affliction like God's enjoying doing it. He's not a celestial sadist. It's actually an intentional allowance on God's part to bring things into our life, to bring us back to trusting him. They're proof that the Lord loves us. These hard times are proof that the Lord loves us. If our children behave badly, if they were doing things we knew would harm them, a loving parent doesn't just say, oh, I love you, you can keep doing that. No, a loving parent knows that there have to be bad consequences for bad behaviour. In love, that you, you just want to just, you know, when, when you, everything in you sort of says, oh, I hate doing this. I'm like this. Melissa's not. I'm, well, less like this. But I, but I hate disciplining the kids. There's a part of me that just doesn't like doing that. But, but you know, Melissa just is better at it than me. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But, but just the fact that, you know, the discipline brings around, you know, a better result. And similarly with God, if his children are wandering away, he wants to be able to correct the faults. In his mercy, in his love, he wants us to be just receiving everything good from him. Perhaps the most powerful thing I think about this passage is where it fits in the book. It's nearly at the end, isn't it? 13 chapters. 
the, the middle of the 12th chapter, he's talking about the discipline of God. And the book of Hebrews, it's basically what's happening in their lives. They're, they're, just, they're wanting to go back to the Jewish faith. They're, they're Jewish Christians and there's a bit of pressure on them. And rather than them going back, the, re, the writer of Hebrews is basically saying, don't do it. Don't go back to what you had. There are so many blessings going forward if you trust God. And these are the blessings as, as you hold on to this. You know, you'll be everything God wants you to be. Any one of them is amazing, but together they're staggering. Let's just read them out. Can, can everyone read those? This is just going through the book of Hebrews. This is what the writer's saying is available to the man and woman of God. We have angels serving us. Jesus calls us his brothers and sisters. By his death, Jesus broke the devil's power. Jesus is able to help us when we're tempted. The word of God can be alive and active in our lives. Jesus has ascended into heaven and he intercedes for us there. We can approach God's throne of grace with confidence in our time of need. Our hope is like an anchor for our souls, firm and secure. We can draw near to God. Jesus saves completely those who come to God through him. The blood of Christ cleanses us so we may serve the living God. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. We can trust God is always faithful. God gives us others to spur us on and encourage us. We will receive what God has promised. Our faith allows us to be confident in what we hope for and sure about the things we don't see. There's a vast multitude of witnesses, those that have come before us and struggled and survived, and they're cheering us on. And then we remember Jesus' example, so we, can't, we don't need to grow weary and lose heart. Just thing after thing, you sort of think, wow. Yeah, this is what we have at our disposal in life. So, so why wouldn't? Why would we want to go back? Why would we not? want the Lord flowing. And so in the light of that, he says, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. All this is available to you. So if the Lord is making things tough for you, that's only because he knows what's available to you. I think it's just staggering to think that no matter what's going on in life, the Lord actually can allow these things to refine and shape us. Too many of us think that hardships... It's almost like they're superfluous. They're, they're sort of like, you know, got nothing to do with God's plans. And I, I used to think that myself, you know, you'd, you sort of see them as like a wall or a barrier. You're going along in, in your spiritual life and it's almost like this, this hurdle you've got to get over so you're actually able to keep going. You know, you've got to get past this, then I'm going to be okay. You might have heard me say this, I believe they're steps, they're not hurdles. When I get through this, I'm going to be stronger, I'm going to be higher, I'm going to be walking closer to God. And there's steps that get us to heaven, these things that come in our life that the Lord uses to refine and shape us. We are stronger as a result of them. And as I said in my testimony, I knew I'd gotten off track. I knew instinctively what I should have been doing, just had no time to do it. I knew what was going on. I wasn't backslidden. I wasn't, my life wasn't full of sin. If you were looking on, you think, oh, he seems like a nice pastor. He seems like he's a good man of God. Yeah, there was no, no real obvious thing that was saying that I was you know, backslidden or whatever, but God could see. God could see what was going on. God could see how I should have been and so he allowed this to happen. And he had to allow things to get really bad for Andy so he had my full attention. 
You know, he put a calling on my life to be a pastor. He put a calling on my life to be someone as I waited on him I would be able to bless other people. I can only do that if I'm depending on him. The thing I love about what happened and the thing that really allows me to relate to this passage is God didn't leave me wondering what do I do now? Okay, these things have happened in my life. What do I do? He actually provided everything I needed to go forward. As I sort of understood God's allowed this, I had everything I needed. I had a time where I could do nothing but rest. I had a time where I could do nothing but get into a word. I had a time where I could see the power of prayer and I was going to be open to seeing what God could do. And I had a a time when I would have someone in my life to speak into my life. So I wasn't left wondering what do I do now. When the discipline of God came in my life, I actually had a way of going forward. Please don't hear me say that every single hardship in our lives has been sent by God to correct us. And Mary last week mentioned that, didn't he? Mary said that, that, um, that sometimes you know, life's tough and sometimes Christians aren't immune from that. So don't hear me say that everything is, is, is um, there to correct us. And I'm glad you know, when hard times come, all of those blessings that I spoke about, they are there for us. It's not just when God's disciplining. They are, in a sense, what's always available to the people of God. But don't hear me say the opposite. Don't hear me say that whatever's happening in your life has nothing to do with God wanting to discipline you. Because that may be exactly why it's happening. That might be exactly why you're in the situation you're in. So at that point, it's worth wondering, well, what is the purpose? What is the purpose of all these difficult times that I'm going through? And he tells us in, in verses 9 to 11... Small arms training. Mm. It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I think a harvest of righteousness is what we all want, isn't it? We all want to be effective for the Lord. We want to see that we've been effective, that, that out there we've made a difference. And I love that I was able to see that, that harvest of righteousness. I could see God at work through my prayers, through what I was doing. But I think the harvest of peace talks about the internal stuff too. That I actually felt a, a better Andy, a better model of Andy as the result, just a peace and a trust that I didn't have before. Or that, 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 that way in which I was able to see God working in my life. The upside of the story, there's no doubt as I look back at my time at Newtown, that next season was probably or was undoubtedly one of the most fruitful, joyous times we had. More than that, there was not just the external but internally. But a couple of years after that, things got really hard again at Newtown. It wasn't just months at this point, it went on for years. Just difficulties, just just. The next level, you know, more I was taking on more responsibility and it just was a very difficult time. Yeah, the main difference was that I remembered this time of refining before and I thought, well, I'm not going to, there's no way I want to go through that lesson again. And I found the time to put God first. I found the, I put the first things first and was able not, again, not just to get through that, but almost like 
able to sort of enjoy it, which is a really interesting thing to say when the difficulties came. I didn't feel so overwhelmed that they crushed me. There was just this, this peace and this sense that now God is being God in no matter what's going on. There was a joy and that, you know, just before this verse, just before verse 5, it talks about, you know, remember Jesus, consider Jesus. He went through a hard time, didn't he? But there was always joy set before the cross. He endured whatever he went through because there was always joy there. And I think that's what we always need to remember, that whatever we're going through, let's remember there's joy there. There's, there's something joyous ahead of us if we persevere. If you felt the Lord's been speaking, I'm going to pray for you a little bit later. But before that, I just want to make one more point about God and about discipline. And it's from these verses. It's interesting reading these verses. I, I grew up with a dad who disciplined, that's, that's for sure. But I never really thought it was with love. There was no real part of me that said, oh, it's only because my dad loves me. In fact, it was probably a little bit too harsh. So I'm actually, as, as Steve, I sort of said, you know, you, I'm not going to discipline you, mate, or you're not going to get in trouble with me, but you might with Melissa. <laughs> in our family, that's what happens. I sort of feel that um, Melissa's, you know, this whole thing of discipline, I, I don't get it because to me it wasn't, it wasn't loving, it was, it was abuse. But I do understand the logic of boot camps. Boot camps, you've got this opportunity to pay a fortune, to be yelled and screamed at by somebody, abusing you, these thugs and people that pay a lot of money to submit to somebody, yelling and screaming at them because those people that are doing that, they can see beyond where I am. They can see, they don't see what I look like now. They see an Annie with, I don't know if at my age it can be like this anymore, but ripped abs and, and you know, big bulging biceps. They see something beyond the Andy that's there. Verse 9, what's your role? Verse 9 says, we all have had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? If I can trust the leader of a boot camp can produce the results he wants, even though he's abusing me and, and, and disciplining me, I'm going to allow him to do that week in and week out until I'm transformed. How much more when I've got a God who's not just about the body but the father of spirits, the one who's able to transform so much more than just my body, my, my mind, my spirit, my every part of me is able to touch and transform, but not just now. And I love that song we sung about eternity. I think we need to be reminded there's so much more to life and what we're going to do and participate in than just this life. And I love, as I read this, I think there's a, there's a God who's shaping me for eternity. We don't hear it enough, do we, that, that it's beyond this life. You know, in these earthly bodies, they might wear down. And we had a laugh about the, that yesterday at the elders' retreat. But beyond this life, there's just an eternity stretched out that God's allowing me to participate with him. It says in, in verse 10, they disciplined us. For a little while, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. I just think those words, we may share in his holiness, 
that sort of says what I do in this life, that the, the way I'm submitting to God in this life is actually not just making me a better Andy now, but somehow this will resonate into what I'm able to do in eternity and share in the holiness of God in eternity. That's a great motivation, I think, for one to submit to God. Submit to him, seriously, just, God, have your way. You know, let go and let God surrender to win. I hope I've inspired you. But unfortunately, as it says there, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. And it's sometimes hard to see beyond the pain, isn't it? What's happening in my life? It's so hard to see beyond the pain to any sort of joy in the future. If you fully sense that that God has so worked in your life that, that he's bringing discipline upon your life, then as you submit to him totally, I pray that first of all, just like he did for me, he'll show you that there's a way forward. He'll, 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 he'll work in your circumstances to bring somebody or, or confirmation in your life. Yes, I'm not going to leave you wondering what to do next. I want to pray for that, that you'd start seeing his hand, but above all, his peace too. Not just feeling convicted or not just feeling condemned and not just feeling overwhelmed. But that if it truly is from God, this being brought into your life, you'd have his peace in the situation. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay and Lord, you will bring something about in my life. Then finally, your motivation, the joy set before you is this promise at the end of verse 11. Later on, however, does produce a harvest of righteousness and peace for those that have been trained by it. There's a very, it's a rare story, not many, not many sort of Christians know the story of what happened to Moses when he'd been given this great commission to set the people of God free. It's in Exodus 4, 24 to 26. I don't have it written, but what actually happened was that as Moses was going there, in a sense he was commissioned to go forward. It says in these verses, the Lord met with Moses and wanted to kill him. And the story was basically that he'd gone there with with sons that hadn't been circumcised. And the Lord in his wisdom knew that 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 had to happen before he could go and actually meet up with the people, uh, set the people of God free, the circumcised ones. What would it look like if Moses' own sons weren't circumcised? It would have, in a sense, less credibility. So God, in a sense, stopped him and, and dealt with that and then he went about his way and was able to be productive. And I sort of see in that story that it really resonates with me. Sometimes things happen in life because God sees beyond and sometimes they seem like intrusions and what is, what's going on here? But at other times it's, it's just trusting that God in his infinite wisdom knows this has to be dealt with before you can be truly effective. So please let me just pray for us now. Lord, this is holy ground. It's, it's just beautiful to, to be speaking just awesome biblical truths, biblical principles that are so, you know, they're just so staggeringly wise. You're so much wiser than us. You're so much, um, your ways are so higher than ours, Lord God. 
Lord, I want to pray for anybody here who just feels as they look at their life, they can see that, Lord, you've allowed this to happen because you want to draw them back to yourself. You see a better model, a better version of them than is currently sitting there, Lord. So if anyone is like that, Lord, I do pray for those two things. First of all, for for your peace, for the peace of the Holy Spirit, the joy of the Holy Spirit, just to come and give them peace right now, the peace of God that transcends understanding, that everything will be okay as they submit to the Father of Spirits and live not just enduring life, but really, truly living the abundant life, Lord Jesus, that you offer, that abundance of, of life, that, that, that harvest of righteousness in the world, that, Lord, you will flow through them to bring a harvest, Lord, but even greater than that, the harvest of peace, which is in them, Lord, they, they just have a peace that the person that comes forward is going to be so much stronger, Lord, than the person that they currently are, the person that that you have prepared them to be. And Lord, I do pray that you would make a way not just uh, to bring peace, but Lord, just to also make a way forward for them, Lord God. Show them what they need to do. Don't leave them wondering what the next step is, Lord. Speak to them about the way forward, speak to them and give them that conviction that shows them what, you know, what to do next, what your way forward, your way of refinement in their life. And Lord, finally, just those, those beautiful words that, that you're the Father of Spirits, Lord, it's, it's just so much greater than, you know, it's just so much infinitely greater than just you doing something in their life here. Lord, you're the God who just, you know, you're plans are just incredible. What, what you can do through someone's submission here are staggering, Lord. What, what you could do to someone in someone's life, in the life of this world, as somebody here can just submit to you. I pray that above and beyond just fixing up their lives, they just sort of see, wow, the me that comes forward is a, is a, is a, a person that God can really use. So all to your glory we pray, O Lord Jesus. Amen.